on the Spirit of God. Lit. I'm lit this morning. So the word breakthrough and acceleration are heavy in my spirit this morning. And if you're standing for anything and you're waiting for that breakthrough, I believe you can obtain that here this morning. The Spirit of God is here and God wants to move, but we have to pull on Him. We can't just lollygag our way in. So come in and be ready to go. This week, I got the words, get ready. And uh, I knew he did a song he'd written, or you do a song, the old one, whatever. And I was going to tell him, but this morning I came in, and he was, and they was, he was singing, get ready. So get ready! Dear Lord! <laughs> you You're awake you, now. You said you fixed it. <laughs> get it, ready. Now you know why it was on the other setting. He's trying. He's, you haven't heard anything yet. Okay, you're ready now, right? Hey, man, we're ready. Well, again, I am, God is here. God is in this place, and he's ready. He's ready. So get ready, because we're going to see God move this morning. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you for this opportunity to come into your presence this morning as a family. And, Lord, we come ready in Jesus' name. And Father God, we just come to worship you, to shout your praises and your glory this morning, and exalt the name of the living God, the one true God. You are here, and we are with you, and we thank you and praise you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. talking about this at church a lot, new wine, and uh, we've got to stop putting God in a box, and we've got to stop trying to do things the old way. God is still the same. He's not a different God, or he hasn't changed uh, his attributes or his characteristics. He is the same God, but he is doing new things. He is moving in new ways, and we're going to experience more of that this morning. Some of you uh, I haven't seen in a while. You can wave back. You know that I'm, yeah, some of you, welcome. Okay. Some of you, some of you I know by the spirit. Welcome back, sweetheart. I'm not waving to you, sweetheart. Behind you. Sweetheart behind you. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. My dad is also here. Uh, don't, don't celebrate too much, but my dad's here. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on. And as Pastor said, being, being ready. God is doing new things. Not just at this church, but in the body of Christ. There are things happening spiritually. There are things that are happening, whether it's in the political realm or the social realm, in our country. There are things that are changing. We are going to do a new song today. We're actually going to do two new songs. Amen. You don't know them. doesn't mean you still can't worship. Amen. Because we worship in spirit and in truth. We don't worship out of our intellect, out of our mind. Okay? We worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. This first song, if it doesn't blow your eardrums, good. Because I don't want to blow the speakers. But it is, it is the attitude that we have been missing in our worship. Yeah. The celebration. The joy. The righteous happiness, if you will. That has been missing in our worship. And many of us, honestly, it's been missing in our lives. We look like we're miserable. Like there's something stuck up our butt. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of us. Instead of celebrating... Instead of celebrating what God has done, we focus on, ugh, I can't believe that's going on now. 
So we're going to show a video. You can worship however you feel drawn to worship, okay? But don't do this. Don't check out. Amen. It's a video. It's new. It's going to be loud, fast, furious, whatever. Fireworks, whatever. Okay? Don't check out of worship. Following that song, we are going to do a new song. We haven't even practiced it yet. That's how new it is. But you know what? It's not about us and the skills and the abilities we have or what we sound like as a church. It is about the Holy Spirit and being united as one body in one spirit. We're going to step out and do that song, even though we've never practiced it together as a team. Okay? Because it's about getting ready. I'll ask this one time. Are you ready? All right, we're not done yet. We got a brand new song for you tonight. See, we actually believe that worship music is meant to sound like good news on the ears of the poor and the oppressed. We believe that worship music is meant to sound like justice. This is a song called Let It Roll.
childlike faith Oh, you're taking us back To the childlike faith You're taking us back To the childlike faith You're taking us Childlike faith, you're taking us back to childlike faith. <laughs> you're taking us back to childlike faith, to childlike faith. Childlike faith, you're taking us back to childlike
couple quick announcements. This Tuesday, August 9th, from 6 to 7.30 at the Norfolk Country Club, the Patriots United is hosting a speaker, Professor David Clements. He's also a lawyer. He's done a lot of research study and very knowledgeable on election integrity and the election fraud. And you need to stay. People in Nebraska seem to think it can't happen here. It is, and it will, unless we stand up. And he's going to talk not only about what has happened, but how we can deal with it and prevent it. So um, actually, the registration starts at 5.30 that night. We have people coming from all over the state to hear this man. So seating is limited. If you want to be there, get there early. So that's registration, 5.30. It actually starts at 6 to 7.30, Norfolk Country Club, this Tuesday at uh, August 9th. Also, uh, Brad talked about Jesus Day. We are in need of someone that is artistic that can paint something for us. So if you can paint, you know, like a picture of Goliath or something, we've got stuff, um, get a hold of Mike or me after the service. Um, We'd appreciate that. Um, Also, opening the heavens in Council Bluffs is Thursday, September 15th. Uh, They need help uh, on the night of Flashpoint Live. Um, So if you're able to do that, we need to get that into them. Let me know. I have the sign-up sheet here. We need to get that taken care of. You can talk to me about that afterwards also. Last week, for years we have done the antique show at Tilden Prairie Days. And we love it because the community is so involved. They're so together. They have such a good attitude. They understand antiques. And we just enjoy going there. It's a good getaway for us. It gets you out there in the community. And it's always been good. Uh, We did well. We've always done well. We did well this year. But there was a total difference in what we saw this year. Because last year, everybody was upbeat and happy and had money to spend. And this year, there was just an overall, I don't know how to, just a dampening spirit of the people. And I kind of noticed sitting watching, we talked about it, but the other antique dealers that have been there for years came up and said they actually had people in their booths that they were visiting with that they were angry, they were depressed, they were discouraged. Very frustrated. We had um, people from from ranches that are having trouble getting hay that is sufficient. Their pastures are gone. There's all kinds of things going on out there like that. We need to understand that we're the answer. Jesus is the answer. We have the answer. They don't need us to be silly and giddy, uh, but we they need our stability and they need Jesus. And we have to understand that. And the harvest is ripe. You've got to understand you are not the harvest. You're the laborers. We are the laborers. And there's a harvest out there. It's just my eyes were open just that far away from Norfolk, how it's starting to affect the attitudes of the people, and we need to be aware of that. So we have started, for one thing, uh, a storehouse. God is a God of storehouses. He always has his people prepared. 
and sometimes I think he just has us do things in the natural because it relates to the spiritual realm. So we've been preparing. We've been building up a storehouse of supplies for this fall because we don't know what's coming, but God does. So we've asked for different things. We want to kind of keep it organized. And three people just recently have told us we need water. So this week we're going to do water. Micah, hold that up. I'd like to have a visual. So the next week or so, if you can pick up some cases of water like that, (laughs) we are going to have that stored up back there. So this week I was, along the flood control, they put up a new park bench that looks out over the flood control. And I went up there this week and I sat and looked. And of all the 35-plus years that we've been here in in the ministry, there was no year better for me than 2019, the year of the flood. And you would think that would have been the worst, but it was absolutely the best year for this church, for me personally. And it had a lot to do... And I, because I've been thinking, you know, they keep telling us to prepare. We need to prepare. But how how do we prepare? And it kind of troubled me. How do we prepare? We don't even really know what's coming. But you know, on August 10th or March 10th of 2019, we had no idea what was coming here. How did we prepare? Well, for years we sowed seed. Just been stable, understood God, learned to get to know God, and that's a major way to prepare. But when the flood came, there was no way that sandbags would have held it. There was no real preparation we could have done, maybe gotten the chairs up. But you know what prepared us for that year? We had to be totally dependent on God, and our dependence on him allowed him to just wash away everything old, bring in everything new, and allowed him to bless us and work in us and and for us. And we have to have that mentality now. That was a natural thing. We are going into a flood season. There's a harvest out there. God's going to do, mate, that the number one way we can be prepared, I believe, is by learning to be dependent upon him. So, you know, get to know God. Spend a little extra time. Get to know him through his word. And and just go back and rehearse the good things he's done in your life. And just learn, you know, no matter what, just just be dependent upon him because there's no way we can comprehend everything that's coming. You know, I sat I was sitting on that bench and looking and, and a young girl came up and talked to me. And I said, were you here the year of the flood? She said, no, but my uncle lives in Stanton, and we helped him. And she said, it was unbelievable. I said, I'll never forget the day crossing that bridge when there were chunks of ice as big as pickups and whole uprooted trees about this far under the bridge. You just had to be dependent on God. And I think spiritually that's right where we are now. The more we can just rely on him, depend on him, trust in him, and just do what we know to do, he'll take care of us. So this morning, uh, as you have tithes and offerings, ushers will receive the tithes and offerings. Remember that God is a big God. He can always, what he did for us, what he supplied for us after that flood was totally 
incomprehensibly amazing. And you had to stand back and look at it to appreciate what he did. And he can do that for us, and he's going to do that in the future. If I get a little antsy, that means it's time for you to quit. Twelve minutes. She gave me twelve minutes. All right. Good morning, church. Well, um, I really don't like to talk about myself. Some of you know my story. A lot of you don't. Um, so here we go. Um, so today, um, I'm going to share with you kind of 
early life to present and God shots along the way um, that uh, really have truly been an influence on my life and got me to the point I am here today. Um, so growing up, I grew up in a very um, unloving, abusive, um, rotten household, we'll say. Um, and I don't share any of this to say that my story is worse or better than anybody else's. This is just mine, and it's it's who I am. So um, there was a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of anger. Um, I was very scared as an individual. I had no self-compass. I had no self-esteem. I was just, I was rudderless. I was lost. And um, a lot of that turned um, into... Um, lying and cheating and stealing, which progressed into um, fighting and drugs and alcohol. And um, by the time I was a teenager, I had, my, my uncle summed it up blessed best. He said, you have gasoline running through your brains, or running through your veins and a blowtorch for a brain. And it's only a matter of time before the two meet. And they did. Um, <laughs> so um, I was the kind of individual that... Um, wanted nothing to do with the church, wanted absolutely nothing to do with anything that resembled anything of a um, stand-up individual. I thought manhood is what um, it's portrayed as today as, you know, fake and, and vulgar and everything like that. So that's what I thought being a man was because I, no, I had no righteousness when it came to a compass to be able to tell me what it looked like and what that meant. Um, so my, my first experience, we'll call it an experience with God, is I was ordered to go through Catholic counseling. And for somebody that had no background with the church, had no background with who Christ was, had no understanding of the love and the joy and the the happiness that comes from being saved, I was thrown into this room with this pastor, I don't even know what they're called, preachers, fathers, priests. See, that's how much experience I had with it. Um, And was lectured about shame and guilt and punishment and betrayal, and just hammered over me how bad of an individual I was. And anybody that has a rebellious spirit, when you hammer that into them, it's only going to send them farther the other way. Um, And that pastor, or preacher, priest, priest, there we go, I'll remember that. Um, And this is not a, a negativity against him or a slander against him, but he was arrested about six months later for child pedophilia. And... That was the individual that was sitting there casting on me everything that was wrong in my life. Um, so that really sent me just off the deep end. Um, I, uh, I got into drugs really heavily um, and made a lot of really horrible choices. Um, and ultimately, it came to a head on uh, November 18th of 2004 when I got arrested. Um, and that moment right there, honest to God, saved my life. I would not be here if that wouldn't have happened, and I can tell you that with 100% certainty. Um, from that point on, I'm not saying I had it all figured out. I still stumble every day. Um, but that was a true turning point in my life, looking back now, um, that I can identify God was there with me that night. And um, at the time, obviously, I didn't feel that way because I was upset. I was mad. I was PO'd because I just got arrested, and I couldn't go party like I wanted to that night. Um, and I got arrested on pretty serious charges. I was arrested on three felony charges that night. Um, possession of marijuana with intent to distribute, uh, possession of illegal firearm, and assault on an officer. Not a good individual. Um, so 
made it down to Madison County, and they set my bond pretty high. They didn't want me to get out. There was no way I was going to come up with $10,000 to be able to clear bond to get out. Um, now, mind you, I was 18 years old at this point in time. And I remember standing in Madison County in a stainless steel mirror in an orange jumpsuit, and I just thought, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Maybe I should, maybe I should just, ah, you know what, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just, just get me out of this right now. And I was being selfish. I had no comprehension of what a relationship with him meant. And I was being selfish. I said, just give me a sign. Give me a sign and, and I'm all yours. And I thought, that's what declaring yourself to Christ is all about. Um, and the next day, we got the paper. So you got the Norfolk Daily News. It was the big, you know, event of the afternoon when the paper showed up in the jails. And I was the last one in my cell to get it, and I was going through it, and I flipped the page, and my wife had a picture for the Lutheran High Northeast paper in there talking about, um, I don't even remember, it was about yearbook, sorry, yearbook. And we had dated on and off throughout high school. Um, I'll get to it a little bit later. <laughs> but... Uh, um, that was that was my sign. I was like, okay, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be with her, you know. And so that was the first time looking back now where I can say God showed up in my life. Um, things didn't exactly work out between us for a little while, and we kind of went our separate ways, but ended up getting back together. Um, and it was all in God's plan. Absolutely, was all in God's plan. So um, after that happened, um, I thought. You know, um, I'm good. God got me out. Psh, see you next time. Next time I'm in a herring situation, I'll hit you up. But until then, like, you just stay over there. I'll, I'm going to do my thing. We'll be all right. Obviously, you can understand where that led me to. Um, did not make any smarter decisions in life. I just didn't get caught. Um, and with that, that all came to a head the night that uh, I called the Norfolk Police Department because I was threatening to kill myself in our garage at home. And I was, and I'm not glorifying this, but I was so hammered I had no idea what I was even saying at that point in time. Um, They showed up, hauled me away again, um, and that's really kind of the tipping point of my life to where I was like, I am powerless over all this. Maybe I should start thinking about what they're talking about when they say a higher power. Can't do it on your own. And at this point, I was brokenless because I had been, I'd, it had been hammered into me my entire life that um, you don't share your feelings. You're not a man if you cry. Um, if you're not, you know, the coolest and the best out there, then you're nobody. Um, and it was all these false identities that I tried to live behind and, and mass and everything. And finally, I was just ready to be done, and I took it off. Um, and so still didn't have a church or anything like that. Thank God we didn't have kids at that point in time because the trauma that they would have seen and been through. Um, so um, eventually, you know, I, I, I quit drinking and um, I went on seven years of sobriety um, and I grew up. And I was forced to grow up because of, one, um, the life uh, lessons that I had and the, the goals that I started to develop in my mind of, man, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I, there, there's something else out there. And I, I wanted to go find what that something else was. And so I just figured that I would just start making better decisions. Well, if this is wrong, then I'll just make the right one. Still wasn't uh, committed to Christ at that point. And then um, we started having kids. Um, and I had poured myself from 
pouring myself a drink to pouring myself into work. Um, I would work 120 hours a week. I would be the first one there. I'd be the last one to leave. If there's anything that needed to be done, I did it. And that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, but really all I was doing was replacing one addiction with another is all I was doing. And so that all kind of came to a head when... Uh, um, uh, I'm going to say my first mother-in-law, but <laughs> passed away unexpectedly. And um, I had been offered a promotion to move to Wisconsin. Anyways, I told them I couldn't take it, and they said, you either take the promotion or your career with this is over. I quit that day. Um, <laughs> and from that point on um, is when I really started to get hungry for, for something else. There's got to be something filling this void in my life. So uh, my father-in-law, Rich, was going to church at the time, and he was like, you know, you guys should just come check it out. Just come check it out. And Kayla was like, well, maybe we should do it for the kids. It's probably a good thing to do for the kids. And I walked into that first service, and there was hands raised, and I went, really? This is where you brought me? Really this? And then the the worship minister got up there, and he did his thing, and he started crying during worship, and I was like, pshh. I'm out of here. Ain't nobody loves anybody that much that they're going to cry over something like that, over a song? No, you're crazy. Um, And then God started to work on my heart. And I can still tell you the exact carpet square that I was standing on when it started to happen. Um, the, The sermon for us had been about the Good Samaritan on the road to Galilee. And the kids um, had learned about that also. Well, they had a little, or a little red heart that had a band-aid on it. And I asked Raylan about it, and he's like, oh, we learned about the hurt man on the road. And I was like, wait a second. They break it down so my kid and me can have the same conversation? Because i got a monkey brain when it comes to this point in time, dealing with Christ and all that kind of stuff. And if my kid can get it at three, I can probably understand it. <laughs> and that process really started to to come along and develop. And I finally felt like... I had somebody that loved me. And I don't say that because I didn't have people that loved me. I say that because I never felt that security around my heart that Jesus can only provide. And once that started, man, I was, I was all in. I was like, this is it from now on. Like, I, there's no other way to live. And um, still, I'm still human. I still make mistakes. I'm still a bonehead. So don't think that I got it all figured out because I don't. Um, but from that point forward, I truly set on a path of like, okay, it's not about me. It's, it, I'm living for something greater than this, and I was made to thrive in this. So through that, um, ended up, you know, um, still had a lot of guilt and shame through it. So I, I put off being baptized. I was like, well, I don't know enough Bible scripture. I don't know enough answers. And if somebody came up to me and asked me if I'm a Christian, I'd be, I mean, I know who Christ is. That would be my response to it. And it finally got to the point, and I'll never forget it, there was an altar calling at a previous church, and I was on security there too, and I was standing in the back, and I felt like somebody had a string tied directly to my heart and was pulling me down there. And I sat there and I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it, and I, was, and, and I left that day from church feeling absolutely defeated because I didn't obey and listen then. The next week, <laughs> my wife came to church, and uh, she was helping in children's ministry, and she came up to me and she said, we're not leaving this church today until we're baptized. I said, ah, well, you know, nah, I don't know. And she goes, no, we are not leaving until we are baptized today. Happy wife, happy life. All right, let's do this. So <laughs> September 18th of 2019, 18, sorry, 
we decided that it was right for us to get baptized. And we got baptized, and it was a full immersion. I tell you what, I came up out of there, and I had a feeling inside of me that I'd never felt before in my entire life. I had a buzzing in my body that I couldn't explain, and I couldn't tell it to anybody because I just thought they would think that I was weird. Knowing now, that was the whole infilling of the Holy Spirit right then and there, and I didn't understand it. Um, So fast forward a little bit until um, 2020 when COVID hit. I had gone into a deep spiritual battle with the church that we were at because of the things that they were asking us to do. The first day that everything closed down, I was the one that got nominated to stand at the doors and tell everybody that came up that the church was closed and they couldn't come in. I know I'll answer for that someday, and I'm okay with that. Um, And right then and there, I knew that there was something more out there and that there was something deeper than what we were experiencing. And so I started to pray, and I started to pray, and I started to pray, and um, I asked God for three signs. And the first sign was, is, is we came out here when Harvest was still doing um, the worship services outside. And we pulled around and pulled up. And I was reading some scripture out of my Bible before service started. And I'd set it up on the dash, had the windows down. Big gust of wind came through, rattled a bunch of papers in my Bible. I was just going to reach up and snap it shut. And I thought, oh, I'm going to read what it's at. And it was on Matthew 9:16 where it's talking about the wineskins. And I was like, oh, okay. So I read it. Fifteen minutes later, that's the exact passage that Mike preached on. I said, okay, I'm paying attention now. You got my attention. What do you need? And um, through prayer and, and, and discernment at the time, um, got my other three signs, and we made the decision that we were coming home. We were coming to harvest. Now, Understand that my relationship with Mike and Kathy and Micah is different than probably 95% of your guys is in here. And that's okay, and I'm not saying it's better, but I knew them for eight years and lived by them before I even knew they were pastors. I had no idea. I was standing there talking. I just thought he was a junker. I was standing there talking to him one day, and I said, do you remember that conversation? I said, I said, what do you actually do for a living? And he goes, I'm a pastor. No, you're not. You? I know your family, dude. Come on. It was no, seriously. So I had, I had no idea that they were even, you know. And so when I say we came home, I mean it because as soon as we hit those doors out here, our hearts just felt at peace. And everything from that point forward um, has been a mixture of signs of God after signs of God after signs of God after signs of God. And I'm not saying that it's been easy, but it's been the most rewarding um, journey I've ever been on in my entire life. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that my worst day inside of the book is still 100 times better than my best day outside of it. And because of that, um, Christ has allowed me um, to do some pretty amazing things and has allowed me to experience some very amazing things with you all. You know, so I didn't have a lot of role models growing up, and so I always struggled with that when I had kids of, gosh, am I going to be the man that I'm supposed to be? Like, I know what the wrong thing is to do, but that didn't mean I knew what the right thing to do was, and I I still, you know, struggle with that. But I realized that because of that, God has placed people in my life, or in our life, that have filled the void where others failed. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory stance towards my, my mom or anything. I think she did the best job that she could. She just, it just wasn't how it, how it was envisioned to be, I don't think. Um, and so, you know, there's people 
sitting in this room right here, right now, that are a huge part of that journey. Um, my father-in-law, when, he, when I was 16, he fired me because he found out I was dating his daughter. And now we're business partners together. It's a little bit more complicated. I wasn't exactly a stand-up individual employee at that point in time either. But uh, um, that right there, I can tell you God has changed both of our hearts because we were complete polar opposites, and there's no way. He tried to offer my wife a large sum of money for her to turn around and walk away instead of walking her down the aisle. At least that's how I remember it. Um, so... Um, that right there is confirmation that God is working in, our, in my life and in our lives to accomplish those things. Um, Steve and Darla, you guys have filled the void for grandparents, for those kids. And it was so natural that it just, it blossomed. I mean, that's Papa Steve and Grandma Darla. And Steve, I can tell you guys right now that if Steve had not badgered me and bugged me and pestered me for so long about you got to have a relationship with Christ, you got to have a relationship with Christ, it's all about having a relationship with Christ. And I'm like, geez, man, all right, I'll go. Calm down. But if it wasn't for those conversations and an afternoon spent in his insurance office talking and drinking, I don't know, eight-day-old coffee that had been rewarmed 14 times... <laughs> And learning and growing through all of that, um, and you know, going to Via de Cristo and experiencing that, and truly understanding on a on a on a um, soul level what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you can't have that or don't have that, your life's going to be in complete chaos after that because it's all dependent on what your relationship with the Father is and how that starts. And that's the most important thing. Everything else will be in line after that. Um, so. You know, you taking me to that that experience after I turned you down the first two years because I was like, dude, I do not want to go sit in the basement of some place for three days and listen to a bunch of old people talk. Like I got other stuff I can be doing, you know. And and I and I went and it it it's it's a focal point of my life and in, in, in a changing pattern of how I got there, you know. I relate a lot of stuff now back to the outdoors and my experiences in the outdoors because when I was growing up, if I didn't want to get beat, I would just run outside to the outdoors where I couldn't be found because then I was like, well, at least if I'm lost out there, I can't be getting beat at home. Um, but I didn't, have, I didn't have a mentor or anybody that, that showed me or taught me those things along the way. So Lonnie, when you asked to take the boys out to go fishing, do <laughs> As happy as you made those boys, you made my heart smile in a way that I don't think you'll ever understand because you exposed them to something fishing from a boat that I've never done in my entire life and knew that they, need, they wanted to do it, so you helped fill that void. Um, you know, Micah and Caleb, you guys have stood in for those boys as uncles in ways that you will never understand until you have children of your own probably someday. And, and when you see your children interact with somebody that could easily blow them off, and not take the time to do it. But you pour into them in a way that makes my heart smile. Um, you know, Scott, when you came up and you, you talked about um, that day when you came up and said, hey, I had a vision about you and your family, and it was Ephesians 6.10. And what did I tell you after that? I was like, what? Dude, I've been praying over that verse for about six months. And he came up and he confirmed it for me. So, you know, um, there are all kinds of individuals sitting in this room right now, um, and Ollie and Ken aren't here right now, but, but they're a huge part of our story too because they're our next-door neighbors, and 
they kind of, in a way, broke down some barriers for us and some understanding for us on some church items and issues along the way because we had no exposure to it. We got married at a golf course. I've golfed one game, of life, one game of golf in my entire life, but we didn't want to get married in a church, so we got married at a golf course. Like, <laughs> hey, you wanted real. This is what you're getting, Mike. <laughs> um, and so through all this, what I'm trying to get at basically is that um, um, there's, there's a few things that I've learned along the way. And one of them is, is that uh, um, I have three, three life verses is what I'll call them. First one is Isaiah 6, 8. Second one's Matthew 9, 16. And the, first, or the last one's Ephesians 6, 10. And, you know, each one of those has a little bit of a different story along the way. Obviously, I mean, the wineskin one, I really understand now. Because we've been talking about it for the last, what, three weeks? Now, that, now that's coming... Now that's coming to fruition. Now I'm understanding, okay, now I know why we were called to harvest. Um, and there is, um, there's a bunch more that I could go into, but I'm going to wrap it up. Um, everybody in here has played a very vital role in, in our journey here. Um, and, you know, God lines up pieces years in advance before we even know, and eventually he just grabs that string and pulls all the puzzle pieces together, and I'm starting to see all those puzzle pieces go together. Grandma Cammy, I can't leave you out either because uh, you've been a stand-in, not a stand-in, but a stand-up for those kids um, in a way that uh, if you were to ask somebody to draw up the perfect grandma, we got Grandma Cammy, so. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, there's other things along the way, too. Um, politically, I never would have gotten involved politically, and I still, I'm trusting God completely on this, because Fred Weevilhouse called me, who was a previous city councilman, and uh, he said, I'm stepping down, I want you to be my replacement. And I kind of laughed, and I was like, who? I've talked to him one time, I'm like, Dude, I'm fishing right now. I'm more worried about catching fish in Colorado than running for politics. And I said, and why me? And he said, it's been revealed to me that the council needs a man of faith, and I want it to be you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm that guy. And then it was revealed to me. And now, I'm not saying that I'm going to win, but I know what I'm supposed to do through all of this. And I know that um, what my purpose and plan is in all of this. So there's just another confirmation along the way of, you know, God being present and engaged. And Patriots United is another one. You know, Mark Albin being involved in that. Mark Albin was my attorney 18 years ago for my felony charges. And I just thought he's a lawyer in it for the money or whatever. And when I went up to him at Patriots United and started talking to him and thanked him for taking the time and the opportunity to come to find out he's a devout Christian too. Tells you the day he was saved, the whole story of how he was saved, and how just, there was another confirmation along the way that God was working through it the entire time, even when I couldn't see it. So um, I'm going to start rambling at this point, but I'll finish with this. Um, if you ever have the thought or idea that no one knows how hard it is or no one knows my experiences, just remember... Um, Christ died for us while we were all sinners. So it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've been through, your past. Amen. only matters, matters where your heart is right now and where you're trying to go with it. 
Um, so don't, don't ever get yourself, don't believe that doubt or that fear or anything that, that Satan puts in front of you. Just know that by the blood of Jesus we are all saved and all we have to do is ask for it. It's so easy, but we complicate it so much. And the last thing I'll leave you with is never forget he will take the biggest mess and turn it into the biggest message.
we've got to understand that prosperity message is vital. It's important because we're going to need money to reap the harvest. But I'm not interested in brand new vehicles and fancy homes and uh, you know procuring all these materialistic things. I don't need them. But you've got to understand this servant God will bless you. Yes, He does.